you have your Bibles, find Ruth chapter 2. You know, uh, some years ago, if you, if you don't know me, this will come as a bit of a shock, but if you know me, this won't, this won't surprise you at all. Some years ago, I got in a lot of trouble with the law, and uh, when I was initially arrested and charged, I was charged with some very serious crimes, some of which, uh, most of which, honestly, <laughs> I was exonerated from, but some of which I did them. And um, initially, when they first put all that together, they put me under a $2.4 million bond. And you get one phone call. It's not just something that happens on TV. And I'm already sitting, my head is spinning. Who am I going to call? Because I don't know anybody that can put up a 15% cash bond. And I didn't think I knew anybody who owned enough property to do $2.4 million. And, and so I was like, what am I going to do? You know, I, I got to really pick this person who I call because they're going to have to get on the phone and call a lot of people. And somebody's going to have to come help me. And so I thought about it, something I called my mama. And uh, my mama went to asking folks, and we found an uncle who put up his, the entirety of his property, everything he owned, to risk for me. And his words with me was, you better not run. Uh, and he's like, I will kill you, you know. Well, why do I tell this story? I find it really embarrassing to tell you the truth, but it's a real down-to-earth story of how the biblical principle of a kinsman redeemer works. Three qualities of a kinsman redeemer. They have to be related to you. Secondly, they have to be able to redeem you. If you're in financial trouble, they got to have enough money to get you out of it. Whatever the, deal, whatever the problem is that they're helping you get out of, they have to be equipped for it. And then thirdly, they have to be willing. Now, I go back and look at sitting in the jail over in Halifax County, and I'm thinking, i got a lot of kinfolk, amen? i got a lot of kinfolk. But I didn't know that I had anybody who was able, and if I had anybody who was able, I didn't know that I had anybody who was willing. So I felt, man, I'm stuck. I'm sunk. So when my uncle came, I was, I was humbled. I was grateful. I was not going to run. I was not going to run because I was so grateful for his kindness toward me. In the book of Ruth, in the book of Ruth, there's this incredible story, and it's almost a romance story. It's a story of loss and rebuilding life, and it's a lot of stories within one, but what it's really a story of is of Jesus. It's a story how God created a garden that would, that would grow the Messiah out of it, but also it's a picture of how this Messiah would operate. Christ is our kinsman redeemer. So if you would, I want to read. They'll be on the screen. You might have your Bibles before you. I'm going to read a few verses and share a couple of big thoughts with you and... Um, We'll be out of here. Ruth chapter number two, beginning at verse 14. This is picking up in the middle of the story. Ruth has been in Boaz's fields gleaning. If you've never heard of that, they were commanded to leave some of their crops behind so that the poor folks and foreigners could come by and pick some food so they could eat. That's what she had been doing. She had wanted to, 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 to get in with the guys who were picking the food where it was thick, and, uh, and that's where we left her. She had made that request, and the guy who owned the fields like, Go ahead, girl, get in there. Now they're on lunch break. Let's pick the story up at verse 14. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain, and she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves. And do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. 
So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was an about, a, about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today, and where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and, and said, This man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, This man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And there's that word in the Hebrew, it's Gael or Goel, and it means kinsman redeemer. And Ruth, the Moabite, said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Let's pray. Fathers, we open this word to take a quick journey through this incredible story. Bless us not just to get the facts of the story, but to meet the author. In Jesus we pray, amen and amen. Three big thoughts, three big thoughts that I want to share with you very quickly. Big thought number one is this. The hospitality at the table of Boaz is a picture of the grace of God. Now, you, you see in this thing, Boaz isn't just saying, come over here and eat your can of Vienna sausage with my boys. No, he sits down with the workers, which tells you a lot of his character. He sits down with the workers. Not only does he sit down with the worker, he serves. Not only does he serve, he engages. And Ruth is invited into this context. And if you don't know it, she's a widow woman. And that, that's... that's that's an outsider in that culture to a degree. But also she's a foreigner, which is the bigger issue. But Boaz is a man of grace, and he has invited her in. This is a picture of Jesus. You remember the time that people were starving, and Jesus miraculously fed them with thousands of people with fishes and loaves. And when they were finished, they had 12 baskets left over. Who doesn't like leftovers? What you see here is an example of the grace of God. One of my favorite prayers in the Bible comes from Ephesians chapter 3. And at the end of that prayer, this is what Paul says. Now to him who is able to do, who sees it? Far more. Far more than what? I got a great imagination. God is able to do far more than my best imagination, than my biggest requests. That's just normal operating procedures for him. It's far more. This prayer and how he ended it made such an impact on us that when we began homeschooling our children, we registered and created our school as Far More Academy. It was a hope of ours that God would do far more than we were able to do alone. Boaz is showing us what that looks like. He's far more willing than the average person. Or, or how about this passage right here? This comes at the end of a very powerful passage, or actually in the middle and, and, and this is what the Apostle Paul said to the church at Rome. What then shall we say to these things? Now read this part with me. Everybody should. If God is for us, who can be against us? That's powerful, isn't it? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If to repair your broken relationship, God gives his son on an ugly cross, if Christ steps down out of heaven, dies a sacrificial death, 
defeats the enemy death, raises from, rises from the grave. If that's how God initiates a peace with you, what do you think he's going to hold back? What do you think he's going to hold back? I'll never forget, I took this girl on a date back in my high school days. And I didn't know it, but it was her first date ever. It wasn't my first date. And it was her first date ever, and I got to her house, and her parents freaked me out. They were just too nice. I wasn't expecting this. And the dad had this really cool IROC, uh, Camaro, whatever those things were called, IROC something. And he's like, he says, here, take the keys. I'm like, he does not know me. And he, he, this was a lot of money then. He pulls out 40 bucks. He says, I want to pay for dinner. And I didn't get it at the time, but now I look back. If the guy is already letting me take his daughter out without his supervision, what's the car to him? What's 40 bucks to him? Now, if any of you guys try to date my daughter and think you're going to drive my truck and get my money, <laughs> I'm not as nice as that guy. I'll just give you the money in the truck and keep the daughter's home. That's how I operate. <laughs> but do you see that logic? Boaz is showing us that picture. If I'm going to let you in my fields, I'm going to let you at my table, what do you think I'm going to hold back from you now? If I'm going to treat you like family, what in the world will I not do for you? But not everybody operates like that. That's how God sets up his people to behave, but we don't always do it. Secondly, the welcome in the fields of Boaz is a picture of how God invites community to care for one another. He's already told those guys, do not do anything to her physically. Now he says, don't reproach her. Don't stop her from getting the, the good part of the harvest. Don't rebuke her. Do you see how he's, he's, putting a, he's putting people around her and saying, I want you guys to be a blessing to her. Now, we got some visitors tonight, and I do hope you guys stay for potluck. <laughs> Let me illustrate that, okay? If they eat all of your favorite dish, get over it. Don't say nothing. <laughs> if they get the last Mountain Dew, Andrew, calm down. I'm just picking on him because he's my buddy. You know, <laughs> he said, I'm coming down through that. I'm not getting my sheaves. <laughs> what, what we should be as the people of God is a people who are passing on the graciousness that we have experienced, the welcome we have experienced. And we should, when we're gathered together, in how we love people and serve people and, and, and bless people, we should be showing a picture of the Lord. And that's exactly what Boaz was doing. As a matter of fact, I've always thought Ephesians 4 was a little funny. This, this one passage where it says uh, in verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, with all patience, bearing with one another in love. That means it's going to be a load. To, to carry something in love together, it's going to be hard work. Boaz tells his guys, don't touch her, don't rebuke her, don't stop her. He created... He created a very interesting bubble for her so that she could experience God's grace through God's people. Lastly, the kindness of Boaz is a picture of how God brings encouragement and hope to families. I say families because he feeds them to their satisfied at lunchtimes. They have leftovers, and, and you know, um, you know, uh, she brings them home to her mother-in-law. That's pretty I love when people bring home leftovers. Care, they had some event at her workplace not too long ago, and I forgot where it was from, but they had those yeast rolls. And she brought home like a whole big Ziploc bag of them. And for several mornings, I toasted them bad boys with some butt on them, and I was like, thank you for skinny people who don't want to eat bread. <laughs> I, I mean, no joke. I was like, uh, 
I don't know what all them teachers was doing over there at that school, but God bless them. I love leftovers. I'm that guy. She brings the leftovers in, but she also brings an ephah of barley. And now you'll find all sorts of scholars arguing about how much that was. Some say it was 30 pounds. Some say it was 200 pounds. Man, it's a big, wide range. Let me put it in country boy terms. It's like if Ruth was a buzzard, she, she went out looking for a little squirrel and she found a whole deer. That's what it's like. She didn't come home with enough bread for the day. She came home with at least enough bread for the month. <laughs> it's right. It was a lot. And what's really interesting is where we last left off Naomi. She was really angry and bitter, but now she's hope is coming alive in her life, and she's starting to get excited. She's experiencing a revival. She was hungry too, hungry and mad and tired and hurt. And now she's starting to see how God is working, and it's changing her attitude. She's got her eyes lifted up to the Lord. What God is really doing is creating, preserving and creating a family line, a family heritage that will be the family through which the, the Messiah is born. But in the process, he's showing his face to these people through the life of Boaz. You remember I opened with an illustration about a kinsman redeemer. It has to be a close relative. They have to have the ability or the means to accomplish the redemption, and they have to have the desire to accomplish the redemption. Boaz has all of that, and the story is going to play out. Spoiler alert, he redeems Ruth and Naomi. But the greater picture here is what Christ does. We were born dead in our trespasses and sins. We had lost our relationship to the Creator. So what does the Creator do but steps out of heaven and into our reality, becoming fully God and fully man, making himself a close relative by his choices? Does he have the ability Absolutely. He lived a perfect life so that he could die a sacrificial death. Just like one man let sin into the world, that's the story of Adam. One man was sinless in the world and defeated all the sin in the world. That's Jesus. So he has the ability because of his holiness and his purity. Does he have the willingness? Oh, man, just think about the cross. He's very willing. They put him on the cross and, and the Apostle Paul isn't confused at all about what this is about. They, they crucified him for sin. And he said, just like the Scripture says. Spoiler alert in the story of Ruth. Spoiler alert in the story of mankind. Jesus became our close kinsman. And he's able. He's able to redeem us out of our sin, out of the clutches of Satan, out of the judgment of God. He is, he is, he is able to handle our grossest problems. Praise God, he's willing. Believer, if nothing else, I'd like to see you become more encouraged in the Lord. And if you know that if God has been willing to do all of this, what is he going to hold back in your spiritual growth? What's he going to hold back in eternity from you? Nothing. Or maybe you come here today, and this is the first time you heard the gospel like this, the good news, the good news that something can be done to cover our shame, to cover our guilt, to cure our fear, to make us ready to stand before God at the end of our days. We have a kinsman redeemer. He's, he's, he's made himself available. He is able, and he has proven himself willing. If you believe on Jesus and receive him as Lord, if you believe that what he's done counts for you and you receive him as Lord, the Bible says you'll be adopted into the family of God. That's what it means to be saved, to be saved from the wrath of God, the clutches of Satan, the penalty of sin, 
the, 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 the life of living separated from God, so much more. We have a kinsman who's come close, who's able, and who's willing. Do you know him today? God, thank you for all that we have celebrated, all we have committed to, all we have recommitted to here. Thank you for these beautiful families who've come out to witness their loved ones be buried in baptism with Christ. Thank you for the reminder of your blood. Thank you for the reminder of your body. Father, these symbols have substance to us. You are the kinsman that is drawn near to us, and you want to draw even nearer. You want to bring us into your family. You want to take care of all the gross things that we cannot handle on our own. So, Father, thank you for this celebration, and thank you for every guest that took part in it. Thank you for the meal we'll enjoy together and the fellowship. Thank you that it will be crowded and messy and wonderful. Thank you for that. We often don't choose to get close to each other. Thank you for these moments where we have to. God, thank you for East Rock Community Church. Thank you for the testimony you are building here. In Christ we pray, amen. God is good. All the time. Go in the grace and peace and favor of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.